The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Megillah has been dedicated by our good friend Mr. Stephen and his wife Gila Israel, a charter member of our Daf Yomi Shi'ud, for the Hatzlacha of both sets of parents. And of course, their dear children. Hashem, Yishmerem, Vihayem, and Bezat Hashem, they should have continued success. Aslahav, Harvaha, Bechol, Maase, Yedehem. This Masechet also has been dedicated by Stephen and his wife, Le'ilun Nishmat Adel Bat Roza, and Le'ilun Nishmat Sarah Bat Adel. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden Hen Vichol Benot Israel Ashavot Amahem Bichal Rahamim Vasilihot Venomar Amen. Today's daf is being studied Lailun Shmat Ezra Ben Miriam dedicated by Mr. Simon Mayer. Ezra Ben Miriam Ruach Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden Amen. Daf Yud Aleph. Today's daf is being studied Lailun Shmat Abraham Ben Esther Ruach Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden. Amen. We begin today's daf on Yud Amud Bet, and we start five lines from the bottom. We are in a sugya where it is introducing to us all the different introductory pesukim that the rabbis used to introduce Megillat Esther with. It seems the custom in the olden days was that before the rabbi would give his dirashot on Megillat Esther, he would give like a headline pasuk, and from that pasuk was a springboard to go into the other dirashot that would talk about Megillat Esther. So on the previous Amud, we've been giving the different uh, introductory pesukim that the rabbis were accustomed to open up their remarks regarding the Gilat Estate. So the Gemara continues to be opened up his remarks regarding the Gilat Estate from here. Adam shetov natan to the one that is good in front of a Kadosh Baruch Hu, God gave him and parted him with wisdom, with understanding, v'simha and happiness. Mordechai Hasadik. So this is a reference to Mordechai Hasadik. and to the sinner, Natan Anyan Leesov He gave an idea to amass fortune and wealth. Who's the one that went to amass fortune and wealth? Zehaman, that's referring to Aman. And what was the end game? Latet latov lefneil ha'Elohim, in order to eventually give it to the good man, which means Haman, God set him up to collect all his wealth, so eventually he can transfer to the bank account of Mordechai. Zeh Mordechai ve'Esther, dichtiv batasim Esther Mordechai al bet Haman, which means at the end of the Megillah it says that Hashverosh. <coughs> Oh, Esther placed Mordechai as the uh, manager of the estate of Haman. She's now he got all his uh, all his wealth. Rabbi Bar Ofran. Now the rabbi's name is Ofran. Tosfot says, do not read it Ephron, because Ephron was the name of a rasha. That's the one that swindled Avram Abinu by the Ma'arat Machpelah. And we have a rule: Shem Rishaim Yirkav that we don't name people after the names of the Rishaim. So therefore he says we must read the rabbi's name is Rabab Bar-Ufran. He opened up with the following pasuk. Bore <coughs> Olam says I'm going to set my throne in Elam 
and I'm going to destroy over there kings and princes. Rashi tells us Elam is actually Shushan Abira, a reference to, because it was in the province of Elam. So the Pasuk explains, Melech Zu Vashti. When it says that God's going to destroy the king, this is a reference to Vashti, because she was destroyed. Hatsharosh made it uh, out of the Megillah. But uh, Vashti is the one that was destroyed. And she descended from royal blood, like we learned she was the granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar. That's why she's referenced to over here. Melech Vesarim, who the princes? Zehaman Vaaseret Banab. These are referring to Haman and his ten sons. They were princes? And they were all destroyed <coughs> as well. Comes the Gemara continues. Ravdimi Bariyitzhak Batach Laf Tetchalai Parshata Meacha. He opened up in the following verse. Ki Avadim Anachnu Ubavdutenu Lo Azabanu Elohenu Vayet Alenu Hesed Lefnei Malche Faras Ki Avadim Anachnu For we are slaves. Ubavdutenu But in our servitude. Lo azabanu elokenu. Our God has not forsaken us. Bayet alinu hesini has directed the good will of what? Which means he directed the good will of the Persian kings towards us. When did this pasuk come true to fruition? Ematai bezman haman. This happened at the times of haman. The end of the pasuk that she tells us is key. Look at the top that she pasuku besevir ezra besef avayet alinu hesin lefte. Uh, to give us and grant us life. When did he grant us life? When the Gezerah of Haman was overturned. <laughs> when this Gezerah was Lashmi, Darog, or Nabed. Instead, God granted us life and his Gezerah was overturned. He opened up. <coughs> you mounted a mortal human being in Enosh over our heads. We entered fire and water. So the Gemara says, when did we go into the fires? Which means, if you remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar, he casted Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah into a fiery furnace because they did not want to bow down to a monument that he had established. And therefore it says, Banu Ba'esh, when did the Jewish people go into the fires? In the times of Nebuchadnezzar. Ubamayim, when did we go into the water? Bimeh, <coughs> That was when Paro made the decree, Kolabena Yilod, Hayora Tashlichu, Patotzienu Larvayah, and you brought us out into abundance. That was the days of Haman. The word Revaya usually is used at a time of a party where there is drinking. Like the Pasuk says, Kosi Revaya. And since in the story of Haman and Purim, the miracles happened over parties. It was always Mishteh So, Vatosienu Larvaya. You brought us out to an abundance of Beracha. Uh, that was in the days of Haman. Which means the. Uh, exposing of Haman took place at a party. Rabbi Yohanan Patahla Petra la Hyperchata Mehaka. Zakar Hasdo Vimunato Lebet Israel. Raukhod of Seares et Yeshua Telohenu. 
which means Borei Olam recalled his kindness and pledge to the house of Israel, and to the ends of the world, or the earth, they saw the salvation of a Kadosh Baruch Hu. Like the Pasuk says, uh, when even the ends of the world saw the salvation. When did the entire world see the salvation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for the Jewish people? Very simply, according to the Maharsha, because Ahasuerus was the king of the entire world. Sheva Vesimu Ma'amidinah was the whole world at the time. So therefore, when the letters went out, they went out to the whole world, and when the letters were retracted, also the whole world found out about it. Everybody understood the miracle that HaKadot Baruch Hu did, which is a, a novelty, because normally, in those days, the whole world would not find out about the miraculous things that God would do for the Jews. But since the situation over here was, he was the king of the whole world, so therefore, it was... Uh, Affected the entire world. The Shakish Patahla Patalai Prashata Mehaka Ari Nohem, which is the lion roars, Vedov Shokek, and the bear growls. Moshel Rasha, so too a wicked ruler, Al Andal, over a poor nation. Ari Nohem, this roaring lion, who is it referring to? Zenibuchadnezar Rasha. Nebuchadnezzar al-Asha, who destroyed the Beth Megdash, the Pasuk compares him to a lion. Which literally means a lion arose from his thicket. Which is the uh, the place, the, 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 the area, the, the desert, or the, the forest, where the lion stays. And who is that referring to? Nebuchadnezzar. Dov Shokek. Who is the growling bear? Ze Ahasverosh. So the Pasuk says in Daniel, when Daniel had his uh, dream of the different exiles, so when it came to the Persian exile, he saw the following the dream. It says, Va'aru, and behold, Heva, I saw another beast, Ahori, another one, Tinyana, a second beast, Damyaledov, that was similar to a bear. Again, uh, in that vision he saw four beasts, uh, one which was Bavel, one which was Paras, one which was Yavan, and one was Romi. Each one was represented by a different animal. So the Persian kingdom was symbolized by a bear. So the Gemara says, why? Vetani Rabbi Yosef, Elu Parsiim, Sheochlim Veshotim Kadov, they eat and drink like a bear. Usurbalin Basar Kadov, they are covered with flesh. Like a bear, umigadilin se'ar kadov, and they grow hair like a bear. Ve'en leim kadov, and they're like a bear, which means they're never at rest. And that's referring to over here the Parsiim, which was Hasverosh. Uh, Moshel Rasha, who was the Moshel? Who was the wicked ruler? Zehaman, al Amdal, on an impoverished nation. Elu Yisrael shehem dalim men They were poor in regarding their observance of the commandments. Rabbi Elazar patach la petchala hay parshata me'acha ba'at santayim yimach. Literally, through laziness, the ceiling collapses. Now, what does this have to do with Megidat Testeh? Because of the laziness that the Jewish people had, they weren't learning Torah in the times of Ahasuerus, which is they committed the sin of Bitul Torah. The enemy of the Kadosh Baruch became weak. That is, he became poor. 
That is a euphemism. It's actually referring to the Kadosh Baruch Hu himself. We cannot say directly that Kadosh Baruch Hu ever becomes weak. But it means HaKadosh Baruch Hu could not save Am Yisrael because we didn't let him save us. As a result of our Bitul Torah that made HaKadosh Baruch Hu unable to save Klai Yisrael so it's as if he became poor. Now how do we know that Mach it says Ba'at Saltaim Yimach how do we know the word Mach is poor? Ve'en Mach Ela Ani The word Mach is referring to an Ani because it says, See, that's talking about the law of if somebody's too poor to pay his assessment, which is he made a certain donation, but he cannot pay it. If he's poor. That says, How do we know that God is the Mekareh? Because God roofs the upper chamber of the heavens with water, which is just like this water on earth. There's water also in the heavens. He roofs with water. So who's the Mekareh? Who's the one that roofs the upper heaven? So therefore again we read the Pasuk with the Atslut of the Jewish people that did not learn Torah. It caused the one to become impoverished. Who became impoverished? The roofer. Who's the roofer? Because he was not able to save Christ as a result. Bar Yitzhak. The Jewish people said, had Hashem, uh, had Hashem not been with us, <coughs> the Jewish people said, Hashem If it wasn't for Hashem that was with us, Bekum Alenu Adam, when the man came against us. So the Gebaraz Doresh Adam. In this case, it was a rare situation because normally it was the anti-Semitic kings that came against Klai Yisrael. In this case, it was different. It was Haman. Haman was not a king. He was an Adam. And therefore, uh, it was a more serious case. The Mephashim explained why. Because a king has to deal with government, he has to deal with his image, and therefore to commit genocide against the whole people, he knows that it's not going to be accepted by the rest of the world. But Haman, who is a citizen, so to speak, he doesn't have anything to lose. Just to him, he doesn't have anything to lose to kill the entire nation. Therefore, it was much more serious in the situation when we came, when Bikum Alenu Adam, when the Adam came against us. But there's another interpretation. The Gibraltar tells us in the Pasuk, <coughs> The Pasuk says, That the heart of kings is controlled by a Kadosh Baruch Hu. That once a person is nominated or elected to become the king, so now already he loses his free will. Similar to the situation of Paro, which means once a king is in power, he cannot now do what he wants, so to speak. So Kadosh Baruch Hu limits him. And that's why the Gemara says, Anybody that gives trouble to Am Yisrael becomes a king. It's a good thing. Because once they become a king, they already God restrains them and restricts them. However, if they don't become a king, that means that God gives them much more leeway. For example, in the situation of uh, Hitler, he didn't have the status of a king. 
Originally, he was just a Adam. He was a a, a commoner. Eventually, uh, he, his nomination to the the chancellor. So that already uh, became a limitation. That was a, a, a one of the Hasadim, according to this interpretation. If he wasn't nominated as the chancellor, just did it as a, a regular uh, anti-Semite off the street, it could be much worse. And therefore, the situation Haman was that much serious because he never was nominated to the chancellor. Ahasuerus was always the king, and therefore, Bekumalinu Adam. He wasn't lived Malachi Biyad Hashem. And therefore it was a very, very serious situation. He opened up with the following pasuk. Birbot Sadiqim Yismaha'am. When the righteous are exalted, the people rejoice. However, when the wicked rule, Ye'enach Ha'am. The people sigh. They both said, they give you smaha'am, and the righteous people are exalted, the people rejoice. Say Mordechai Vestir. That's referring to the tzaddikim, Mordechai Vestir. Dekhtiva a'ira shushan, sa'ala desamecha. We said that the city of Shushan was cheerful and glad. However, bimshol rasha'yena ha'am, when the rasha'in, or when the rasha'a is ruling, the people sigh, zehaman. Dekhtiva a'ira shushan, navokhar. Like it says in Megillat Esther, and the city of Shushan was bewildered after a man made his decree to annihilate the Jewish people. Comes the Gemara and says, Rav Matna Amar Mehachar. Rav Matna opened Megillat with the following pasuk: Kimi goy gadol, ashelo Elohim kerobim elav. Who is like the Jewish nation that God is so close to them? What is the connection between this pasuk Megillat Esther? So the Mephaish to be explained because Haman said regarding the Jewish people, Yeshno Amehad Mefozar Umforad Ben Amin Bechol Midinot Malkutecha. Which means he was coming along and said the Jewish people are scattered. So they're all over the world. So the Maharsha says it doesn't mean anything. Because Borei Olam is close to them no matter where they are. Bechol Korenu Elav. Which is from wherever they call me from, Borei Olam is close to them. And therefore he was trying to say, ah, they're all scattered. There's no uh, uh, connection uh, to, 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 to God and the nation anymore. They're all over the place. He says, no. Adaba, who is like Ami Where they are, they can call out to God and God will answer them. So that is, uh, breaks the, uh, the claim of Hamad. Vashem Amar Mehacha Wa Elohim what is this talking about? So the Mephashim explain over here, actually the Maharsha, that the Vashem is making a correlation between the redemption in the time of Purim to the redemption that happened in the time of Mesraim. Which means in the story of Mesraim, the Egyptians, they tried to annihilate the Jewish people by throwing all the Jewish babies into the water. Like the Pasuk says, So what happened? A goy instead of a goy. Instead of the Jews being the one that drowned, it was the Egyptians that drowned. Similarly on Purim, it was goy mikerev goy. It was the Jewish people that were supposed to be annihilated. And instead it was a goy, mikerev goy, instead of a goy. Which means our fate was turned on to the uh, enemies. And they were, they were, and the ten sons of Haman were hung. So that's what he said, why he quotes the Pasuk by Yisiyat Mislayim, because there's a correlation between the way the miracle happened. What the Egyptians tried to do to us, happened to them. And what Hasverosh and Haman tried to do to us, boomeranged and came back on. Then that's 
the key line in this drasha is goy mikerev goy, as if it's a, a goy in place of a goy. Kazgavran says, Now we start to be Doresh, the first Pasuk in the Megillah. Which means, when it says, the, We learned on yesterday's doubt that what? That's introducing trouble, it's introducing Sa'ar. How? Fahi is Vai Hai. As if, whoa, ho, which means the. Um, uh, trouble began. Hada regarding this it is written, Vit Makartem Sham Lo Yebecha Laavadim Vilishrahot. The Torah tells us in the curses, you're going to be sold to your enemies. Actually you will sell yourselves with Makartem to your enemies as slaves and as bondwomen. Which means over here the Torah is telling us the punishment that's gonna befall Israel, but they do not fulfill their commandments. And at the end of the Pasuk says, Ve'en koneh. And you're going to sell yourselves, but nobody's going to buy you. So the Maharsha explains over here that this happened in the times of Ashverosh. It was a double tragedy. First of all, we were offered for sale as slaves. And the second thing was that nobody purchased us. If you remember when Esther went into the king, she said, listen, if we were only sold as slaves, I wouldn't have came to you. I would have accepted it. But we're being sold to to die. And therefore it was two things. Number one, they weren't being sold as slaves. And Koneh. Nobody was buying them. And secondly, they were being sold to die, which was worse. So the Pasuk tells us. And in the times of Hashverosh, they were sold not uh, as slaves. There was nobody buying them as slaves. If they would have bought them as slaves, it would have been a good thing. They would have been slaves. Instead, it admits, if they would have been sold as slaves, I wouldn't have opened my mouth. So they were not sold as slaves. On the contrary, they were sold as death, to be killed. And that's why the Mephashim said, the Mephashim says, what the beginning of the Dilashah is, Vahi, Vai Hai. It was a double woe. Well, number one, that what? We weren't sold as uh, slaves. And number two, we were sold as to, to die. So therefore, vai hai, a double woe. Comes the Gemaran says, Usmuel Amar, he expounds on the following Pasuk. The Pasuk says over here in the Kedalot, God guarantees us that even though we're going to be in the land of our enemies, God says, I'm not going to uh, be, be, revolt, be revolted by them, nor am I going to reject them. So the Gemara says, I, did not, I was not revolted from the behavior of Kali Yisrael That was the times of the Greeks. I did not reject them in the times of nor did I destroy them That was the times of the Persians Furthermore Because I am their God This is referring to the future The times of the war of Gog and Magog Am Yisrael will survive That war they will not be totally perished some say that God did not was not revolted from us in the times of the Kazdim. 
What was that story? They saved Am Yisrael, those Sadiqim, the times of the Kazdim. Mm-hmm. And I was not, I did not reject the Jewish people. Who did he send to save us during the times of the Yivanim? And then what does it say? God did not destroy us in the times of Haman. That was at the time of the Persians, and some say Romaim. It's more, it makes more sense to say Romaim over here. The times of the Romans, we had the scholars. We know was friendly with uh, Antoninos, and all the scholars to save that generation. Because God says, I am your God. That's referring to the future when Mashiach comes. Because no nation and no people is going to be able to dominate the Jewish people. Rabbi Levi Amar Me'acha. Rabbi Levi opened his lecture on Megillat Esther from here. V'im lo torishu et yoshevea aris. The Pasuk says in the Devarim, if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, the Pasuk continues, v'aya asher totiru behem, the ones that you're going to leave in the land. The law was when the Jewish people went into Eretz Yisrael, they had to destroy all of the Goyim. So Boreola warns them, any of the people that you're not going to destroy, they're going to be lesikim be'enechem ve'letsninim besiddechem. They're going to be like barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. What does that have to do with the Megillah? Shaul Amalek was commanded to destroy Amalek. Because he did not fulfill the divine will to destroy Amalek, as a result, Amalek perpetuated, and from them came Haman. Exactly what the Torah says. If you're going to leave them over, they're going to end up being a thorn in your side. That's exactly what happened. By him not killing all of Amalek during that war, Haman was able to surface. Comes the Gemara continues. Rabbi Haya Amar Mehaka, Vahaya Kaashir Dimiti Laasot Lahem, it's going to come to pass that what I thought to do to them, I will do to you. So the Mephashim explained over here that God warns Israel that what, what I want you to, you to do to them, I want you to kill them. Which means God says when you go to the say you must kill all the enemies. What I wanted you to do to them, if you don't do it, they're going to end up doing it to you. That's exactly what happened. Since Shaul did not kill Amalek, it came back to hurt us that Amalek came and fought against us. So God said, what I wanted you to do to them, what's going to happen to you if you don't, if you don't follow? Ahasuerosh, that give us to analyze the name. Ahasuerosh, why was he called Ahasuerosh? Amarav, Ahiv Shilrosh. He was the brother of the head. And he had the same character as the head. Well, who's the head? Well, Rabbi is going to tell us that the head is actually referring to the Bukhadnesar. So Ahasverosh is an abbreviation. Ah, Rosh. The brother of the Rosh. So Rabbi Rav says, Ahiv Shel Rosh. He's the brother of the Rosh. Ahiv Shel Nebuchadnezzar al-Asha. Rosh. He's the brother of the Nebuchadnezzar al-Asha. That's called the Rosh. Shreemar. And to Reshadi Dahaba. In the reference, when Daniel had the dream, the Bukhadnesa was the gold head that he saw on that uh, image that he saw in the dream. So you see, it's called Resha. The Bukhadnesa is called the head. 
Ben Giloshem Rosh. He had the same character as Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Hu Harag. Nebuchadnezzar was successful in killing, meaning he destroyed the Beit Hamikdash. Hu Bikesh Darug. Where Nebuchadnezzar had the same intent, wasn't successful, but he had the same mindset. Hu Echriv. Hu Bikesh Darug. When Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple. Uh, as we know that the Bukhadnesah and Hashverosh had intent and he uh, wanted the Beit HaMikdash to be destroyed like the Pasuk says Shne'emar u'malchut ha'hashverosh b'tchilat malchuto katvu sitna al yoshvei Yehuda v'rushalayim which means before Hashverosh came into reign there was a movement in Eretz Yisrael and the Jews started to build the Beit HaMikdash under the leadership of Zeru Rabel However, the uh, construction came to a halt, and the Hasveros participated in making sure that the Beit HaMikdash does not continue to be built. So therefore, he didn't destroy the Beit HaMikdash, but Bikesh Lachriv, just like the Bukhanesar, but was successful. So he's Ben Gilo, he has the same character. That's why he's called Ahasverosh, Ahshel Rosh. Usmuel Amar, Shmuel says, the Jewish people, their faces became dark like the bottom of a pot that's on the fire. And therefore, Ahasuerus in this sense over here would mean Esh Shachor, which means just like the fire causes the bottom of the pot to become blackened, so too because of the Gezerot of Ahasuerus, which means Esh Shachor. It caused the Jewish people's face to become black like the bottom of a path. Anybody that mentions the Hasverosh would say, they would go like this to their head, they would say, whoa. There's two interpretations of that. Either they would say, whoa, to themselves. Or they would say, Ah Lerosho, woe to his head, the Hasverosh, as if they were cursing the king. So Hasverosh in that case would mean, Ah Lerosho, woe to his head. Harinamar, Shakun Nasudashin, Biyamav. Because everybody became poor in his time. Hasverosh in this case over here comes to Lashon Rash. Rash is a poor man. Shleimar, Vayasim, Amelik Hasverosh, Mas. Because we know Hasverosh levied. Taxes, and therefore, because of the overtaxing, so the people became poor. Comes the Gemara and says, "Who Ahasverosh?" Right? But who says he is Ahasverosh? That, that's redundant. It says, "Vayibi me Ahasverosh." Who Ahasverosh? What does it mean? Who Ahasverosh? So the Gemara says, "Who b'nishchom etchilato v'atzofo?" He was a rasha from the beginning of the story to the end of the story. What does this mean over here? Well, just like we saw in the beginning of the story, before the story of the Hasverosh, of Purim, he wanted to stop the building of the Beit HaMikdash, so he remained when he conspired against the Jewish people with Haman. He saw the beginning of his reign to the end of his reign, he was the same Hasverosh. Now we discuss Isaf. Whatever it says, it means from the beginning to the end, he was bad. In the beginning, he sold his birthright to Yaakov, and he was mezalzel. And at the end of his life, he made a whole protest at the Levaya of Yaakov Abinu. He did not let Yaakov Abinu be buried. So you see, he was an Asha from the beginning to the end. Who datan ba'aviram? Hind b'nish'an. Regarding the Tamba Aviram, they were wicked from beginning to the end. We know that the Tamba Aviram were wicked in Misraim. 
right? They were the ones that told on Moshe that he killed the uh, Egyptian. And we know during the Midbar, they were the ones that joined Korah against the mutiny against Moshe Rabbeinu. So Sofan, they were wicked. Comes to and says, Who Amelech Ahaz? Which means uh, he committed acts of evil, not only in the beginning of his career, but as well as there's a pasuk that says, He continued to rebel against God. So whatever you see, continued. Must be he started from the beginning of his career. Now we go the other way. Abraham, who Abraham? Regarding the tzaddikim now. It says, who Abraham? Abraham was three years old. At three years old already, he recognized Hakadosh Baruchu. That's Mitchilato. At the end of Abraham's life, God tells him, So you see, he was pursuing justice and righteousness at the end of his life. Who Aharon Moshe? We only find in the whole career of Moshe and Aaron one sin that they committed. That was the sin of the hitting of the rock. But besides that, there's no record of any uh, sin. And therefore, they would say they came from the beginning to the end. Now the passage says, David, who katan. David literally was the youngest of all his brothers. But the Gemara makes a derasha over here. Because if the pasuk merely wanted to tell us that uh, he is the uh, katan, uh, the pasuk could have said that what? The pasuk could have just said he is the youngest of them. Huakatan benehim. It just says huakatan, as if he's standing alone. So what does it mean huakatan? Hu bekatnuto mitchidato veatsofo. He had humility. Humility, katan, from the beginning to the end. Which means just when he was uh, before he became a king, he humbled himself in front of people that were greater than him in Torah, namely Mephiboshet, that he put Mephiboshet above him and he would ask him his questions. Even when he became a king, like the Gemara tells us in another place that he asked Ahitophel, told him, Two Hadushim, and as a result of the two Hadushim that Ahitophel told him, he referred to him as Alufi Um Yudai. He called him my rabbi, my teacher. So what do you see over He humbled himself even when he became a king. So they were David, Huakatan. He was Makteen himself, he humbled himself at the beginning of his career as well as when he became great. Hamolech, it says Hamolech, Mehodu Vatkush. And then say Hamelech. What does it mean, Hamolech? The one who ruled, Amar Rab, Shemalach, Me'atzmo. He did not inherit the kingdom. Hashanot's country's opinion did not have royal blood. Hamolech, against the uh, people. Amri le'l-Sheba, amri le'l-Ignai. Well, some say his rulership by force, some say that was a good thing, a praise to Hashanot, and some say in a disparaging way. How? Amri le'l-Sheba, de'loa ve'inish da'ashiv le'malka kibateh. Nobody was worthy to the throne like him. Mm-hmm. And the people though he wasn't from royal blood, but he was the best, uh, most well-suited <coughs> for the job. And some say it in a disparaging way. Really he wasn't fit for the throne. But he bribed and paid off 
the powers in order for him to ascend to the position. So Hamolech either means he was worthy, there was nobody better, or Hamolech he bought the position with his money. Mehodu ve'ad kush says regarding Hasverosh's kingdom, the scope of his kingdom, it was from Hodu ve'ad kush. So the Gemara wants to know exactly where these two places are. One said that Hodu was on one side of the world and Kush was on the other side of the world. And some say that Hodu and Kush were actually adjacent to each other. And what's the point? They tried to give you the, uh, the, uh, the control that Hashemosh had. Just like he was able to control on Hudu and Kush, which were two countries that were close to each other, so he was able to control them with a tight fist. He had the same amount of control on the far off city. So Mehodu Vad Kush is giving you just like on Hudu and Kush which were close to each other, he was able to control them. So too his control was all the way on the far cities as well. Famous Maharal over here, he's what do you mean? You're making a mahlok on the map? I can never mahluk where Hodu and Kush are. Take out a map and see exactly where it is. We never like to make a mahluk in the Mitziut. So how does, uh, how could you explain? One rabbi says they were adjacent to each other. One rabbi says they were far from each other. Barah says no. Elu ve'elu de'velu ha'im. Everybody holds that Hodu and Kush were adjacent from each other. The first opinion that's coming along and saying, you put Hodu and Kush next to each other, but instead of going, drawing a line from Hodu to Kush, parallel to each other, Take a line from Hodu and go all the way around the world. From Hodu, go under the globe and go all the way up to Kush. So they're just telling us in that, according to that Nirashah, it's telling us the quantity of how much he ruled over. Hodu vat Kush, go from Hodu, go all the way around to Kush. The second rabbi is saying, oh, I agree with you, Hodu and Kush were adjacent from each other. But the point of the Megillah to tell me Hodu vat Kush is to tell me to control. Which means just like Hodu and Kush were next to each other, we have to control them, so to the other ones as well. So therefore nobody argues on where Hodu vat Kush is. It's just what's the purpose of the Megillah to tell us Hodu vat Kush. Is it quantitatively how much he owned or qualitatively how the control was? Comes the Gemara and says, <laughs> Similarly, we see by Shlomo uh, Hamelech. What does it say by Shlomo? Ki hu rode bechol ever an nahar mitfsah vead aza, which means he ruled. He had dominion on the other side of the river of the Jordan <coughs> from. Tifsah and Tilaza, same Mahlokit, Rabu Shmuel. Hadamar Tifsah Besofaulam, Baza Besofaulam. Some say Tifsah was on one side of the world, the other was on the other side of the world, they had the whole quantitative. The Hadamar Tifsah Baza Bade Hadadi Abu Kami. Some say no, Tifsah and Azah were actually adjacent to each other. Kishem, Shemalak al Tifsah, Val Azah, just like he ruled with control over Tifsah and Azah that were close to each other. Kachmalak al Kolaulam, Kodosotu, he had the dominion over the rest of the world. Sheva ve'asrim u'me'a medina. What is it telling us over here? Sheva ve'asrim u'me'a medina. What's the purpose? It tells how many uh, uh, countries he ruled over. You just told me, Hodu v'atkush. So we have to tell me, Sheva ve'asrim u'me'a medina for. So it says, Amar v'asda. Bethila malak al sheva. Ulbasot malak al esrim. Ulbasot malak al me'a. Which means, his kingdom grew gradually. First it was sheva. Then it grew to 20. Then it grew to 100. We kept on adding the provinces, this kingdom, till it ended up to be 127. So, that's how you do this? 
Whatever it says, the pasuk like this, like sheva ve'esrim u'me'ah, so it's gradual. Ela me'ata u'shnei haye Amram. Regarding the years of Amram, Moshe Rabbeinu's father, what does it say? Sheva u'shtoshim u'me'ad shana. My darash new. What are you going to say by Amram's life? Well, first he lived Sheva, then he lived Shiloshim, then he lived Me'ah. That doesn't make sense. You can't say that by somebody's uh, life. How are you going to expound and make a darash on this? It says, no, Shani Halcha de Kayetirao. By Migilat Estate, the reason why we're making this darash, because it's extra. Mikhti, Kiti, Mehodu, Vatkush. Because already it tells me Hodu, Vatkush. Sheva, Varisimu, Meha, Medina, Lamalish, Ramina, Lidrasha. Which means, by Migilat Estate, you told me already Hodu, Vatkush. What do you have to tell me? Tell me 127 provinces. Ela, it must be for the Lidrasha, that it was a gradual, uh, gradual conquering. Tarul, Banan, Shelosha, Malku, Bekipa. There were three kings that ruled the entire world. Kippah literally means the arch. That she explains, they ruled the entire arch under the heaven. Because they had dominion over the entire world. Who were these three kings? Shemalchub Kippah ve'eluhin. Achav ve'achashverosh u'nevuchadnesar. So the Gemara is going to prove each one. Achav, how do you know Achav ruled over the whole world? Because the Pasuk says, Hayashem Eloecha. אם יש גויו ממלכה אשר לא שלח אדוני שם לבקשך. This is referring to when Ahab was looking for Eliyahu Navi. So Obadiah goes to Eliyahu Navi and he doesn't listen. I swear to you, Ahab went to every single country and he's asking where you are. He's looking and he sent for you. And uh, the pasuk continues and says, ve'amru ayin. And if they said, no, he's not here, he makes them swear that they're telling the truth. Now, how can he make them swear unless they were not under his dominion? And it says he went to every single country. So from here you see that what? Ahav ruled over the entire world. He was looking for the Navi. So it says he went to every single place and he made them swear that what? They didn't find him. Who's he to make them swear? Unless you say that they were under his rulership. And says, If he did not rule over them, right, How could he cause them to swear? So that we proved. Because it says, Vaya goi, vamamlaha, ashaliyatirit sabaro be ol melech babel. That's referred to Bori Olam, who gave a prophecy to the Navi that said what? That anybody that does not subjugate himself to the rulership of Babel, so is going to be punished severely. Bahere, Barara, Badevid, etc. So therefore, what do you see over here? That already there was a prophecy that Nebuchadnezzar is going to rule over, everybody's going to accept. His dominion. Ahasverosh had Amran. Ahasverosh, we said. Sheva Vesim Vayamid. Now we said, Mahodu Vatkush is Mesof Aulam. That's so forth. So comes the Gemara and says, What do you mean? Vetu Leka. But there's no more? Like you asked the question. Vaika Shedomo. What do you mean? Shedomo Melek. Didn't we say? Vetafsah Vad Aza. So how can you say? Shedomo Melek ruled over the whole entire Kippah. So Gabriel says, Lo salik There's a great machlok in Masikat Kitin. If Shalomu Amalek's king was uh, was completed, some say he was the king and then he became a commoner. He was hediot. Some say no. Malach hediot umalach. He was a king. He became he lost his kingdom for a while and became back to king. So if you said that he ended up a commoner, so therefore there's no question. That's why it's not listing. It's only listing the kings that their kingdom endured. However, the Gemara says, "Hanichal demandaman melech vediot." 
That's only good according to the opinion that says Shlomo Melech was a king and then he became a commoner. That originally the, the kingdom did come back, so his kingdom did endure. So Michael and Amar, how can we don't include Shlomo Melech to be the king over the entire world as well as the other kings? Shlomo was different. Why? Shlomo Melech's kingdom was even greater than the other three. He ruled not over the earthly things, but he ruled over the heavenly things. Which means, Shlomo sat on the throne of the Kadosh Baruch Hu. Which means, just like the Kadosh Baruch Hu rules over the Elyonim, the demons, the Shedim, and all these things, so too, Shlomo Melech ruled over the Elyonim, the Shedim, the Malachim, etc. So therefore, his kingdom is not like Ahav HaShonosh and Nebuchadnezzar. Shlomo Melech, he's greater than them. So therefore, he's in a different category than they are. So the Gemara says, fine. Ve'ahava Sanhariv. What about Sanhariv? He also ruled over the entire world. How do we know? Dichtiv. Mi bechol Elohea alasot ha'ele asher etzilu etarzam miyadi. Sanhariv comes along and says, Who was able to defend their land in front of me? So Sanhariv was bragging and saying, I conquered the whole world. Did I get any resistance from any country? Implying what? That's an Anib took over the whole world. Kemara said, Ha'ika Yerushalayim de lo He did not conquer Yerushalayim. And therefore, it was the whole world less Yerushalayim. Therefore, you cannot include Sanhari. Ha'ika Daryavish. What about Daryavish? Darius, he ruled over the whole world. How do you know that? Dikhtiv. Daryavish Malka Ketav Lechol Amemaya Umaya Belishana Didairin Bechol Ara Shalomchon Yesge. He sent a letter. To all the peoples, to all the nations and languages that live on the earth, your peace should multiply. So you see over here, this was a letter that he sent after he saw the miracle that happened to Daniel. When Daniel was saved from Guva Arayot, from the lions then, Daniel was very, very impressed. So he sent a letter to the entire world saying how great uh, the uh, miracle uh, was uh, that uh, Daniel was saved. But if he's sending it to the whole world, that means what? He had dominion over the whole world. So the Gemara says, wait. Well, we know that there were seven provinces that Daryavish did not rule over. Which means it pleased Daryavish and he appointed over the kingdom 120 uh, governors, let's say. But the point is, only 120. Now we know the world existed of 127 provinces. So therefore he did not rule over the whole entire world. So you have to say when the Pasuk says he sent to the whole world, it, 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 it means 120. It means he told his dominion, but it really wasn't the whole entire world. Uh, what about Cyrus? How do you know Dikhtiv? Kodesh says himself, all the kingdoms of the earth, God has given to me. Kibbutz says, that's a Kodesh bragging. Which he's praising himself, but it was an exaggeration. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't true. He can say whatever he wants, but that's not a fact. And therefore, Kodesh was not a ruler indeed of the whole entire world. Kavzikavarai continues, it's the Rashot of Ignatistin. Bayami Mahim, Keshevet Hamelech. 
Right, it says, in those days when the king was sitting on his throne. That implies the first year of Ahasuerus' kingdom. That's when he sat on the throne. And then it says what? In the third year of his kingdom he made the party. It sounds like there's a stira here. It sounds like either the party was in the first year of his kingdom, or the third year. How does the Pasuk start off? Sounds like we're talking about the beginning of his kingdom. Then by the way, tell me, when was this? Make up your mind. Was it the beginning of his kingdom, or was it in the third year? So comes the Gemaran says, Which means, when it says, Keshevet, it doesn't mean when he sat on the throne. It means after his mind was settled, like Keshevet, like Yeshubadat, which was the third year. Why was his mind settled in the third year, and what was it settled about? So Gemaran says, Amar, he said, Belshasar he says, my predecessor Belshazzar made a mistake. I am not going to make the same mistake. What are they talking about? We know the Jewish people went into an exile in Bayit Rishon. They went to Babel. Yirmiyahu foretold this exile that it was going to last 70 years. Now, the leaders of the Goyim knew this prophecy. And they all gave their calculation of the 70 years. And once they saw that the Jewish people were not redeemed, they believed that God had forsaken the Jewish people, and therefore they celebrated the downfall of Am Yisrael. Belshazzar made one of those faulty calculations. He calculated the 70, like the Gemara is going to tell us his mistake in a minute, and as a result, he made a big party, and he brought out the Kelim and the Megdash, and he said, that's it, it's over for the Jewish people. However, that was a wrong calculation. Bishasah subsequently died. So Ahasuerus, in the third year of his kingdom, he said, I got the right calculation. He held that in the third year of his kingdom, the 70 years were up. And therefore, Keshevet Dato, that's what his mind was. He says, I've got to worry about the Jews. The Jews are no longer a threat. The 70 years are up. Now I can celebrate, Amisil is destroyed. And I'm not going to make the same mistake that my predecessor, Belshazzar, made. Now the Gemara is going to go through the calculation of what Belshazzar thought, what Ahasuerus thought, and what Yirmiyahu really meant. So the Gemara says, Mayhi, what was Belshazzar's error? What was his mistake? Dikhtiv, that is the Pasuk by Yirmiyahu. Which means when 70 years are completed for Babel, Bore Olam says, I will remember you. To complete the 70 years from the ruins of Yerushalayim. Now from the fact that the Pasuk says, So Bishasar understood that the 70 years of Babel start when Nebuchadnezzar came to the throne. When does Babel start? Machud Babel. Well, where does Machud Babel start with? Nebuchadnezzar. So he says, Hashor, now, except the Gemara's numbers, we're going to take the numbers for granted at this point. Well, we know Nebuchadnezzar ruled for 45 years. In fact, the next king was Evil Merodach. He ruled for 23 years. 
So that takes you to 68 years so far, Malchut Bavel. Plus two years of Belshazzar. So after two years of Belshazzar, he said, that's the 70. So the Gemara says, Hashivrim. There you go, there's 70. And what happened? Nothing happened. The Beit HaMikdash was not built. Obviously, it was still in exile. Apik Mane Debe Mekdesha Vishtamishpehu. He made a party. He brought out all the vessels of the Beit HaMikdash. He made a great uh, banquet. Everybody attended it. They made a party. And uh, this was um, the uh, party that he made. The mistake that he made. Now the Gemara is going to go back to some of the numbers here. Ud Nebuchad Nesar, Minalanda Arba'in Bahamesh Shinin Malach. But how do you know that Nebuchad Nesar ruled for 45 years? It's time you have to know. Now the Gemara has to verify its numbers. So Gemara says like this, we have a statement, Damar Mor. Now just to get the uh, history over here, there was a king of Israel at the time of the exile, his name was Yoyakim. The exile happened in two stages. Okay, the first exile was called Galut Yechonya, and the or Yehoyachin, and the second exile was called Galut Sidkiya. They happened eleven years from each other. Both were exiled by Nebuchadnezzar. The exile began in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. In the first year, all Nebuchadnezzar did, of record, he conquered the city of Nineveh. Right, that doesn't affect us. In the second year, that's when already Nebuchadnezzar started to persecute the Jewish people, and uh, capture the Jewish king, and then start to send the Jewish people shortly after that into exile. The Gemara is going to explain now what years did the exiles of Yechonyat take place, and what years did the Galut of Sidkiyah take place. It's not really years, it's one year for Galut Yechonyah, and one year for Galut, one year for Galut Tzidkiyah, like I explained to you, they happened 11 years apart. Now we can explain. They were exiled in the 7th, they were exiled in the 8th. They were exiled in the 18th, and in the 19th. Now, this is only referring to two exiles, even though we got four dates over here. 7 and 8 is one exile, 18 and 19 is another exile. How do we reconcile these dates over here? So the Gemara calculates. Galu b'sheva l'kivush yoyakim galut yoyakim. Which means like this. Nebuchadnezzar, in the second year of his kingdom, conquered the Jewish king Yehoyakim. In the second year of his kingdom. Okay? Seven years from that, that's when the first exile happened. So therefore, really, it was the eighth year of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom that Yechoniah went into exile, but it was seven years from when Yehoiakim was conquered. I repeat, Galu B'Sheva, Galu B'Shmone. The Shmone is, it was the eighth year from when Nebuchadnezzar rose to power, which was seven years from when Yehoiakim was Conquered, because Yoyakim was conquered. It's the same thing. It's, it's another way of saying the same thing. It's saying that what? Yochonyah was either eight years from when he started, or seven years when Yoyakim was conquered. It's either you're counting from the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, so it's eight, or if you're counting from the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, it's seven. Okay? 
Now, once you got that calculation, the next calculation also falls into place as well. Galubish, okay. Shish monal Nebuchadnezzar. Very good, which is the eighth year from when Nebuchadnezzar came into power. Now, Galubish monal isle, the kibusho yakim, galut sitkiyao. Which means, in the eighteenth year, from the capture of Yoyakim, which is from the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, so in the 18th year, that's when Sidkiyah, that's when the Galut of Sidkiyah took place, which is really the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Same item. Which is either accounting from when Nebuchadnezzar took power, it's 19 years later, that's when Sidkiyah went into Galut, or from when Yehoyakim was conquered, that's the second year, 18th year, that's when it uh, was the Galut of uh, Tzidkiyahu. So basically, it's an 11 year span between Galut Yechonyah, yeah, we're going to the second year, Galut Tzidkiyahu, to the Galut of Yechonyah, to the Galut of Tzidkiyahu. The Amar Mor, let's get the calculations here, because we have a statement. Shalari Shuna Kavash Nineveh. The first year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, he conquered Nineveh. Okay? Shiniyah, in the second year, he conquered Yoyakim, which was the Jewish king, and he um, he uh, put him into uh, incarceration. Okay, he imprisoned him. So, so far we have uh, 19 years on record from when Nebuchadnezzar became king until the point of Galut Tzedkiah. We continue. Now we got to get to 45 years. Vahi bishloshim vasheva shana legalut yoyachin. It was 37 years from galut yoyachin. Melech Yehuda bishlem asar chodesh, the 12th month. Be'aslim b'hamisha lechodesh on the 25th of the month. Nasa evil merodach. Evil merodach was the king after Nebuchadnezzar. Melech Babel bishnat malchuto et rosh yoyachin Melech Yehuda. Which means he took the uh, Jewish king, he freed him. He freed him out of the prison. Now, we see over here that uh, he assumed the kingdom 37 years after Yoyachin was exiled. So therefore, that's going to calculate you. To uh, how many years we said thirty-seven years, right? Plus for the one that he took power, so that's thirty-eight. So how many years do you have? No, so give it Tamne, v'sheva. Take the eight years before the exile, right? He was king for eight years before the exile, plus the thirty-seven after the exile. Thirty-seven plus eight. says, Again, 37 years after the Galut of Yoyachin, Evil Merodach freed him. <coughs> that means what? He took power 37 years later. Evil Merodach, that is. He was the next king. Now when... Right, not Yoyachin. Yoyachin, that was the one that went into exile. So therefore, 37 years after Yoyachin went to exile, that's when Evil Merodach took over. But you got to get the eight. The eight years... Until that point, 37 plus 8, 45. So we proved from Pesukim, the Vokadassah was the king of, about 45 years. Now, Ve'aislim utlat de'evin merodach, Gemara. 
How do you know the next king of Imrodak was king for 23 years? That we can't prove from Pesukim. That we have a tradition. So between Nebuchadnezzar and Evil Merodach is 68 years of Malchut. Okay? Now let's go back to the calculation. Belshazzar's two years of his own. Ha Shiv'in. That's 70. So what did he do? The Gemara says, Amar, For sure now the Jewish people are not going to be redeemed. Because he was understanding when Yirmiyah Navi said Megalut Babel, it meant from when Babel takes power. When does Babel take power? In the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar's throne. He therefore brought out the sacred vessels of the Holy Temple and he used them. Daniel. And this is what Daniel told him. Because as a result of him using the Daniel foretold the downfall of Belshazzar. It says, You elevated yourself, uh, exalted yourself over Kivyachon HaKadosh Baruch And you brought the vessels of the Beit HaMikdash in front of you. What does that say? That night. It says the king of Kazdin, uh, of, of, of Kazdaya, which was Belshazzar, was slain. And Daryavish took over the, uh, thre- the, the kingdom of Madai, and he took it over at the age of 62. Comes the Gemara and says, Amar. Now Hasharosh is talking again. Ihu mitatai. Belshazzar didn't have to calculate the seventy. He made a mistake. Ana hashivna velotaina. He says, I'm going to calculate it, and I'm not going to make a mistake. Miketiv de malchut pavel. That was his mistake. Yirmiyat didn't say count the seventy from malchut pavel from when pavel takes over the kingdom. Le babel ketiv. It says, from Babel. My le Babel, le Galut Babel. Ah, oh, so the Galut Babel happens eight years later. Exactly. When did the Babylonian exile start? Eight years later. So he held Belshazzar, you're eight years off. You're eight years early. And therefore, Kama Betsiran, how many years now are deleted from Belshazzar's calculation? Tamne, eight. Oh, so now we have to calculate, where, where's the shortfall now? How do you, how do you calculate the eight? Well, hashiv So we inserted eight years in their place. Hadad the Belshazzar. One more year of Belshazzar. Because Belshazzar was the king really for three years. Belshazzar only counted two of his years when he made his calculation. But really he had one more year. That's Belshazzar. The next kings were... Dariavish from Madai and Korish. Together, they had five years, so that's six. Two of the Hashverosh, Ha Shivrim. And that's a Bishnat Shadosh the Molcho Asamishteh. In the third year of his king, that's Keshevet Hamedech, when he was settled. Why was he settled? He said, Now I know the Jews are not going to rebel against me. Now I know the calculation is over. Just a son, my predecessor made a mistake. 
I'm not making the same mistake. The 70 is over. Where do you get the extra eight years? One of Belshazzar, five of, uh, of, of Dariyavish and Kodesh, two of his own. When he saw that the 70 pairs, and they were not redeemed Amar for sure the Jewish people are not going to be redeemed took out the vessels and he made a banquet the Satan came to the party as well and danced amongst them now I saw a beautiful explanation by the Benish Hai he explains what do you want from Vashti that's beautiful he says, really, who was the first to make a party as such? Belshazzar. So you really have to put the blame on the Hasmerosh's party. He can't share the blame himself. Really, he learned this uh, terrible minhag from Belshazzar. So Borei Olam now has to figure out a way how to punish Belshazzar and Ahasverosh simultaneously. So how do you do that? You kill the common denominator between them. And who's the common denominator between them? Vashti, who is a granddaughter of Belshazzar, or actually a daughter of Belshazzar, and is the wife of Ahasverosh. We have a rule, Ishtoki Gufo. And therefore it's like Ahasverosh died. So therefore by killing Vashti, you punish Belshazzar for making the first party, and Ahasverosh for making the second party. That's why Ben Ishai explains why Vashti was the uh, culprit of it. And of course, now that we know the end of the story of the Megillah, we know why Vashti had to be the one that got killed in order to bring Esther in her stead in order to bring the Yeshua for Klal Yisrael. So now the Gemara says, Ve'az Shapir Hashif. What do you mean? But he calculated correctly. Le'Babel, Le'Galut Babel. So the Gemara says, Iyu Namim obviously also made a miscalculation. Really, the calculation was to be calculated for when Jerusalem was destroyed, which happened in the times of Sidkiyah, which was 11 years later. And therefore, he was still off. He counted from the Galut of Yoyachin. However, it was 8 more years than Belshazzar, but he was still 11 years off the mark. Because 11 years later, that's when Sidkiyah went into the Galut. That's when the 70 years are supposed to begin. The Gemara says, Sof, Sof, Kamabitsiran. Okay. According to the Emet, how much are we short? Gemara says, Hadzare, you're short 11. Now, Iyu Kamamalach, how long did the Hasverosh Reign for how long was he the king? Arbisar. We know he was the king for 14 years. The miracle of Purim occurred in the 13th year of Hasverosh, and uh, the holiday uh, was established the following year, and that was the last year of uh, his reign. Now, Arbisar which is, comes out from the third year where he made the party. 11 years later, makes, puts him in the 14th year. That's exactly when the Beit HaMikdash was supposed to be built. Skebara says, If that's the case, why does the Pasuk write? Bedayin betelat avidat bet di birushlem. Even in the 14th year of Hasverosh's kingdom, the work in the Beit HaMikdash was discontinued, which means the Torah is telling us that the Beit HaMikdash did not begin until Daryavish. Mm-hmm. 
which took place two years after. So the question then is, what are you talking? Based on our calculation, we're short 11 years. 11 years should put us at the 14th year of Hasverosh. The 14th year of Hasverosh, the Beit HaMikdash should be built. Hakam Ezra Sofer says that the Beit HaMikdash was discontinued until the time of Dariyavis. What do you mean? We're short two years over here. Which is why, 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 why the delay? We're long two years. Why the two, two extra years? So the Gemara says, Amarava, Shanim Mikuta Otavu. Which means partial years were calculated as full years. Which means when we said above that uh, Daryavish and uh, Kurdish ruled five years, we counted one year to both sides. It was an overlap. So really their kingdom was not five years amongst them. It was only four years amongst them. Furthermore, we said that Nebuchadnezzar and Evil Merodach ruled the combination of 68 years. Really there was an overlap year, so it was only 67 years. So therefore you were short two years. You are short one year from the Kodesh Daryavish combination, and you short one year, right, the Katehesus holes. And therefore you short one year from the Nebuchadnezzar Ibn Merodach calculation. Therefore you had to wait two years after Ahasuerus till the second year of Daryavish. That's with Shanim and that's the Gemara says, Tanya Nameache, we have a bright to support this. Ve'od Shana Acheret Levavel, Ve'amad Daryavesh Veshlima, which means literally the bright says, there remained another year of the 70 uh, for Bavel when uh, Belshazzar died, Ve'amad Daryavesh Veshlima, which means it was the middle of the year. When Belshazzar died, and therefore Daryavish finished the year. And therefore he completed the 70, which means Belshazzar's, let's say, died in half the year. Daryavish finished that year, which really made it the 70 from when Kalut Ben Babel started. However, they counted that year in the original calculation to both of them. That half a year. Uh, uh, I got tallied and Daryavish got tallied but it was a half a year that went for both of them so therefore it's one year extra from the bright. so the bright is only proving you the Daryavish uh, uh, Kodesh connection that really it's not five years between them it's four years because you got to take off one year from Daryavish because really that was a half a year that belonged to Kodesh uh, uh, and they counted that year already that was the 70 that they counted for Belshazzar, and therefore you don't count it again for uh, Daryavish. And that's why you came to the calculation where Hashanah's 14th year was not the finishing of the 11. You needed two more years, which happened in the second year of Daryavish. Amen.